We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Die Laughing on May 23rd, 1980. It was written by Jerry Siegel, Robbie Benson, and Scott Parker, based on a novel by Scott Parker, directed by Jeff Warner, and released by Warner Brothers. No relation, I don't believe. First off, I want to say that the Vintage Video curse has taken another life. We uh, we just lost Buck Henry. You lost him a while ago, but he was the creator of uh, the Get Smart series. Yeah. So that's a loss. For this film, Bud Court was recovering from a very serious car accident that happened just prior to the beginning of production. He broke an arm, which is why he has a broken arm in the film. Is that what uh, the, the red scars sp- on his forehead? Splotch on his forehead? Oh, yeah, okay. that's all from the car accident. Mm. He fractured his skull. He knocked out a bunch of teeth. His lower lip was nearly severed completely. So, pretty nasty accident. It was on the 101 right over here. Was he driving a really awesome, like, hearse Porsche thing? I think it was a hearse <laughs> Jag. Oh, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, but it's so, no. It's so weird that we have this end, because uh, we just did Empire with Mark Hamill. Yeah. Also. Same situation. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, this is a good segue. Did you know that our lead uh, here, Robbie Benson, actually auditioned for Luke Skywalker role? No, but I could see that. Yeah. I think that would work. The scars and injuries were just incorporated into Bud Court's character of Mueller. And in 2011, he was in a second serious car accident that nearly tore his arm completely off. And then a third collision where Court's knee, quote, fell off, end quote, (laughs) and he had to relearn how to walk, according to an interview with The Guardian. So that's no fun. I suppose we can conclude now that... Bud Court is a terrible driver. I just, I want to buy him an Uber account. Like, can I do that from here? <laughs> this was the final film of Elsa Lanchester. Or is it pronounced Lancaster? I would say, well, she's, since she's English, it might be Lan- Lanchester. Lanchester? <laughs> Robert's, Robert is tearing his hair out right now listening to this podcast. Katie um, Nana. We'll just call her Katie Nana. Katie Nana. A.K.A. Elsa Lan- Lanchester? Lanchester always pays their debts. Yes, that's what they say. <laughs> we start the film with the logo for Orion, because this is an Orion film. We are introduced first to Mueller, played by Bud Court, who is meeting with Dr. Stoll outside of his office hours. Now, what, now I, immediately I was confused. What is his the doctor's name? Dr. Stoll. Stoll. S-T-O-L-L, I assume. I don't okay. have the character list in front of me, but I think it's Stoll. Because, uh, hold on. Do they call him something else later? Because he's credited as Dr. Stowe, S-C-O-W-E. Uh, I'm pretty sure they say Stoll. That, that's what I kept hearing. And I was like, "Who is this a different doctor? No, it's definitely the same one. I think you're. I think we'll just call him Stoll here because that's what it sounds like everyone in the movie is saying. But it's out. it's outside of his office hours. So Dr. Stoll says he doesn't have time to talk to Mueller, and he tells him to come back during his office hours. We move to a laboratory at the same school where Computer Onyx 12 is running a test. It's using a formula to convert 
plutonium waste into weapons grade plutonium and they are writing the, the program to a monkey's brain mm -hmm. they're using a computer to encrypt it into a monkey brain and the monkey tells them no food no data so if they don't feed him, then they don't get to learn the formula. T to be fair, the monkey doesn't say no food, no data. He like types he it out. He says it the way yeah. Coco would say it, which is pushing buttons to indicate words. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just, I just want to make it clear here. We don't have a Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, this yeah, movie yeah. isn't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, three, the, the three of them, the two scientists and the monkey laugh. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, as a gunman enters the laboratory and shoots everyone to death, uh, very suddenly, except for the monkey, I guess the monkey's fine. But well, he, and Doctor Stowe's fine too. Well, he wasn't in the room though when this shooting oh, happened. That's true. But um, but the the guy swings his gun around the room and he he kills two scientists, but not before one can grab like a cup of acid and throw it at his face <laughs> and successfully like melts half of his face off. And then he he leaves the laboratory. I guess without the monkey, because he doesn't he doesn't have the monkey when he leaves the right. facility. He's just distracted by his face melting. He shoots some more after he gets the acid in the face, and as a result of that, destroys this mirror in the foreground that I didn't even realize was a mirror that's like in front of the monkey cage or something mm -hmm. like that. But it just looks really weird. And then they zoom in on the face of the female scientist who is like smiling with blood dripping out of her yeah. mouth, and then it says "die laughing" on the side of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> which is the title of the film for some reason, but it really has nothing to do with anything that happens in the movie. Well, to be fair, you did just say that the monkey made them laugh and then they were shot to death. Mm -hmm. So they yeah. died laughing. How could you do this to me? <laughs> Embarrass me in front of the listeners. There are many of them. <laughs> That's true. I guess I'll take solace in that. But no one is listening. Across town at a recording contract contest, Robbie Benson, playing a character named Danny Pinsky, yeah, uh, is performing a disturbing song about a barber um, that he remembers from his childhood. The barber has a collection of fidgety little boy's ears. It's actually a cute song, and of the three songs that he plays in this movie, that's my favorite. The talcum smell I can be, the hell smell like the bedroom smell like bubblegum to a three-four kids' noise. I can hear Mr. Weinstein saying, don't move when I use the shears. Right here in the straw, I got a collection of fidgety little boys' ears. Electric lippers. I think they're all, they're all pretty enjoyable. Yeah, they're, they're decent songs. There's the one about, like, love being important is a little bit like not as musically interesting but the first song and the last song i thought were were decent songs he's got a really david cassidy kind of feel to all of his songs but i i don't hate it although it doesn't necessarily feel exactly like 1980 music it sounds like 60s or 70s yeah for sure but yeah it's it's decent music and he wrote all of it himself and is performing it here in the movie he wrote it with his dad all right he wrote this movie with his dad jerry siegel is his father despite the name difference I paused the movie so that I could read this billboard for no reason that says, you look like you just heard from Dean Witter, and I still don't know what that means. <laughs> it must have made a lot of sense to the public of 1980. It might have actually just been an actual billboard that it just happened holds on to it be there. It does hold long. on it for a while. Um, Though not I, long enough for us to conveniently pause it to read yeah. it because we had to try like three times. <laughs> yeah, but we see Dr. Stoll on this subway, and he looks really worried. Something's going on, and he's got a big case in his lap 
Um, we cut back to Pinsky singing this song. It ends, and right as the song is ending, each of the musicians of the band is turning to look at the judges to find out if they've made it into the semifinals. Stoll gets off of the BART, so this is clearly the San Francisco area, and he goes to get into a cab, and uh, Robbie drives up in the cab. He's the driver, and he's listening to angry voicemails on like a car phone that he has in the in the cab, and the the doctor says that he needs to go to Bayshore in Geneva. There's lots of signage in the back of the cab about Pinsky's band, which is called Rush Hour. Isn't that like a real band? A big time rush, that's what I'm thinking of. There's there's signs for this band called Rush Hour in the back seat, and it's also the the corners of the cab are all plastered with speakers because he clearly like traps everyone in here and forces them to listen to his music but then he puts on a set of headphones and i don't know if he's doing that to muffle the sound or if he's listening to additional content <laughs> this is way he's, too loud for me i think he's listening to what he's actually playing over the speakers maybe it's like how an x-ray tech has to hide behind a wall like they can't be exposed <laughs> to it all day because they'll get cancer but if you listen to it in moderation it's good for you not that x-rays are yeah, good for I you don't think x-rays are good for you it's like oh, i gotta go get an x-ray the doctor says i need to get eight x-rays a day I don't think that's right. An x-ray day keeps the doctor away. Yeah, I wouldn't go near you either. But he plays the music for Stolen. He puts the headphones on just as a gun barrel slowly enters through the passenger side window of the back seat and uh, shoots Stoll through the heart, basically. And uh, the guy who we now see his acid-melted face is the guy who shot up the laboratory is reaching in to grab the briefcase. It seems like we get some repeat action here. Like, the hands come in to try and grab the case, and then the cab drives away and then stops. Yeah. And then the hands come in to grab the case again. Yeah. Just seemed like it could have just happened once, maybe. But uh, I didn't edit this. Robbie notices the guy is trying to take the briefcase or box out of the, the dead scientist's lap, and he tries to wrestle it away from him until he sees that this guy also has a gun. And he drives away very quickly, but manages to somehow keep the box and the dead scientist. He pulls over later, and he goes in the back seat to check on the scientist because he's just kind of flopping around in the back seat. And he realizes that the scientist is dead when he tries to, like, he puts his hands under his shirt like he's going to perform CPR or something. Mm -hmm. And his hands are covered in blood, and he's, like, smearing it all over the body and himself. And another woman sees the cab pulled over and thinks, oh, I'm going to get a ride with this guy. And uh, then she sees that he he found this gun in the back seat, and his hands are covered in blood, and she thinks that he just killed this guy. But it's really funny because she just stands there screaming, yeah. screaming her head off, like not running away from the guy with the gun pointed at her, just screaming. Right. And so he has to point the gun back at her and be like, like, shut up or I'll blow your head off. It's also weird that it, that no one else is reacting to this. Like, I mean, people are like kind of turning their heads, but no one's like rushing the cab to get the guy or to get the woman away from him. He realizes that when he holds the gun up and points it at her that she stops screaming. And so he uses that to get her to shut up long enough that he can take the box out of the back seat and run off. I don't know why he took the box, but perhaps he'll die. Um, (laughs) He leaves the dead scientist, though, behind. And the gun. Yeah. All he takes with him is the box and a guitar that he had in the back seat. Yeah, he goes back for the guitar. Yeah. He goes back to his house. Which is just like... A full like like Victorian house that's up on pallets. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those like narrow, almost painted lady type houses in from San Francisco, but it's 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 got nothing around it. Right. It reminds me of batteries not included. 
Yeah. Like when they they knocked down the whole neighborhood, but this one house was holding out, and they're just waiting on them to go. And this all jacked up on pallets and stuff. Yeah. It's really weird. So he goes into his house. Um, he gets a note that was pushed under his door that says, "Hey, we made the semifinals." So he's excited about that. But then suddenly, oh, I I didn't mention this before, but as he was walking back to his house, he's like climbing over rooftops and fences and alleyways, and uh, we're we're hearing a montage of the reports on the murder. Robert motive in a murder that has just taken place in downtown San Francisco. Dr. Leonard Stoll, a noted nuclear scientist and lecturer at Northern California University. This just in, the San Francisco Police Department issued an all-point... And that they know this kid's name and they know who he is and where he is and... Yeah, and they're linking the murder to the other murders. Right. Of the lab. At the lab? At the lab. Yeah. Okay. So right now, they think that he's killed two people. But there were two murders at the lab and one murder in the cab. I thought there was one murder at the lab. I thought it was just the scientist's wife. Yeah, because I think Dr. Stowe was the other scientist in the room. Threw the... I, I agree with that. I think he okay. was the one that threw Maybe the I acid. misunderstood then. He threw the acid and he got away. Yes. With the monkey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Then that's, then that's what happened there, and I missed it. But, yeah, so they found that those two bodies so far. He thinks he hears someone in his house and he climbs around to check it out. Suddenly he notices there's a stranger at his window. He opens the window and the guy tries to get into his place. So he keeps slamming the, his fingers in the window. This window is three stories up. And, yeah. and the only thing below this window is like a drain pipe that the guy must have shimmied up. Yeah, straight up. Which it would have just fallen off the house if that was what he was doing. But uh, he smacks the guy with a guitar and completely destroys his guitar but doesn't push the guy out the window and eventually he turns around and just kicks the guy out the window it's actually it's actually kind of funny what happened he didn't actually hit the guy with the guitar he picks up the guitar to swing it and it hits like a wall inside the apartment and oh, okay. shatters into pieces yeah and so then he just kicks the guy out the window oh, which okay. is just it's hilarious because you think he went all the way back to the cab to get this guitar it must it means mean a lot everything to him and then he's <laughs> you know it's the first thing he grabs to hit the guy and he doesn't even get to hit the guy with it yeah but this guy falls three stories to his death on the yard and then uh, a man in sunglasses walks up and uh looks down at the body and checks it to see if he died or not. Yeah, I feel like this is like the Happy Gilmore scene when Chubbs goes out the window and it's just the guy looking up and shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Pinsky takes the box again and runs away. As he's leaving the house, he's being photographed by a woman who we'll learn later is named Thelma. Yeah, uh, but uh, there's like there's like a lot of really funny gags in this movie and or just like visual jokes. So when he's downstairs and and running away like from the underneath the house you see the guy who fell but all you see is his legs sticking straight up like out of a big pile of dirt like like he, like he fell head first wily coyote style and all that's sticking out of the ground through the ground legs. yeah so now pinsky is going to his girlfriend's apartment but when he opens the door she's not home and her sister is there and it's like a humanoids of the deep situation she's waiting by the door with a knife and almost stabs him as he's coming in she tells him that he's on tv for three murders um which i guess they're already reporting on the guy he kicked out of the window right it's pretty quick it's the only one that he actually did commit (laughs) of the three murders he tells the girlfriend sister that the cops will never catch him because they don't really know anything about him then we cut to a a room full of cops watching a slideshow and giving Mm -hmm. a lot of exposition into pinsky's life that 
most of which doesn't play into much right apparently he's like an orphan who his parent is he an immigrant or is he just an... uh, i i think i th- i don't know about that but he's being raised by the owners of a cab company right but originally he was placed with like a chinese family or something yeah. like that and then he was moved to the the arnold family um and and the two people are katie nana mm-hmm. and arnold arnold yeah are the is the name <laughs> of the couple that run the cab company is it actually Arnold Arnold? Or is this a situation like... Uh, yeah, it's Samuel Samuels. Samuel Samuels. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they say it's Arnold Arnold. <laughs> yeah. They also mentioned that he has 78 unpaid parking tickets. Amy and Pinsky think they hear someone at the door, but there's nobody there and it doesn't pay off at all. Yeah. They thought that. I mean, they were mishearing the, the scratches from inside the box. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, so they were scratching in the box and they thought it was at the door. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But they decide to open this box now, and they release a monkey. There's a small monkey in here. And uh, they also find inside the box a tranquilizer and Igor Zukov's name. Well, they find three tranquilizers. And I thought, okay, she uses one on him, but these other two are going to come into play for sure. Yeah. I thought there was one tranquilizer and there was enough for three shots. Oh, was it? Was that yeah, it? Yeah, I think that was it. Okay. But there's also a note that basically right. says to that meet. This is for you, Igor Zukov, and you have to take this to Ivan something or other at 3 o'clock on Saturday. But he doesn't know what any of this means, and he pockets the note. And then he hears his actual girlfriend coming home. His girlfriend's name is Courtney. And before they can get inside, it's clear from the audio that she's bringing another gentleman home to the apartment. They're about to go out somewhere nice, and she's coming home to get changed or something. Before he can open the door to confront her about it, Amy tranks him with the tranquilizer gun that they found in the box and throws him in the closet with the monkey, Mm -hmm. which I feel like I'm following up until throwing the monkey in there because the point of tranking him and putting him in the closet is so that no one can hear him. Right. You put a monkey in a closet, it's going to start screaming. To be fair... We've bounced this, bounced this monkey around quite a lot inside of box, and it took him until now to open it. Yeah, that's true. And the monkey did not make a peep up until now. I'm guessing he was tranked. But, Maybe it's know. a very soundproof box. But we move back to uh, Mueller's headquarters now, where he's reviewing the photos that Thelma took. It seems like the photos are like increasingly zooming in on his crotch like yeah. as he's running by. <laughs> They're the only ones that are in focus. Yeah. He walks out of this base that he has out onto like a vineyard and uh, he demands that these these henchmen go and retrieve the monkey so he has three or four people that are just at his beck and call uh the next day uh pinsky is tuning his guitar in amy's apartment i guess it's the an apartment that she shares with her sister and she's trying to she has her homework is set up in the typewriter but the monkey sits down at the typewriter and starts typing over all of it so she's going to have to start this one page over again. Right. But she's very upset about but, it. But he's reacting to the tones from the guitar. Right. And he types something, which we never see. Yeah. And that really upset me. Well, they said it was gibberish, though. <laughs> well, well, she said it was gibberish. She said it was gibberish. And then he looks at it and says, you know, like, close encounter style. This means something. This is important. See, I, I, but I thought it was going to be like CH3O, you know, arrow. Like, like it was going to be like an actual chemical equation, which would appear to be gibberish if you're not familiar. Because she, she's like majoring in business. Yeah. So in the 80s, I would assume she knows nothing about anything else. 
But I think the reason that we never see what she typed is because uh, Robbie Benson is like, it seems like he's a high school dropout. He's driving a cab and running a band at the same time. Like, it wouldn't make any sense for him to understand the chemistry either. So we just have him pick it up and go, this is important. This means something. Mm-hmm. And then we <laughs> cut away from it. The press is out trying to find Pinsky and uh arnold stands up in his garage and decides he's going to recruit all of his mechanics to find pinsky before the police can or the press can he he offers a 50 uh sorry 20 dollar reward yeah. uh but he's he's he clearly cares about pinsky right like he he's he can tell he's frustrated but he doesn't want anything bad to happen to him yeah he's also wearing the exact same outfit that he's wearing in the slideshow when police are telling us who Arnold Arnold is because they clearly just used a picture from this scene uh, for that earlier scene, which is like when they use that picture from Raiders of Marcus in the frame in oh, King of the Crystal Skull. That, that, that was so absolutely insulting. Yeah. There's no other pictures of this actor in yeah, the universe. Yeah, Den- Denholm Elliott did not have a long career and he wasn't also actually in the military, so you couldn't just... Nope. Like, like, it's Definitely like, not. Uh, everything about that you just brought up a whole bunch of <laughs> i only brought it up to opening up old wounds here with return that was um, on purpose so i have to say this is like a thing i get charles during and david huddleston confused <laughs> david huddleston okay when she said who is this guy i recognize him and i was like it's not um, brian dennehy right <laughs> because they play similar characters because because both uh during and huddleston play similar characters in coen brothers films that's true and and I was just like, oh, this is the Big Lebowski. It's like, oh, wait, no, he's not. This is no, the, the other Big one. Le- the, the other one, the Big Lebowski. This is, this is HUD? Hudsucker? This yep. is Mr. Hudsucker. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> and I, he's also in uh, A Brother. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and so it's just like, I, I get these guys <clears throat> so Pappy. confused. Yeah. But I always just remember him as Doc Hopper. Right. Uh, Danny calls a friend of his, uh, one of his band members, and he's wearing this bizarre mask while he talks to Danny Pinsky. And uh, he says, hey, we're still going to play the show. I'm going to be there, even though I'm a wanted man. We're just going to have to find a way to sneak in. And his friend takes off the mask that he's wearing to reveal a tighter, smaller mask around his face. <laughs> but uh, the press is interviewing Arnold Arnold at his mechanic shop as Pinsky is sneaking through the facility to steal a cab. He pulls over to use a broken payphone to tell Amy that he's... He's going to the intersection that the doctor asked him to take him to for to look for the next clue, but that he'll come back later to get the monkey and they're still going to perform in the next round of this singing competition or performing competition. We see a circus setting up shop and they have banners out. One of the banners is for Igor Zukov, who seems to be like a beast master. He has uh, animals all around him. And that was the name that was on the note with the monkey. Uh, the band sneaks into the concert venue dressed as rabbis, and they... See, but they don't actually sneak into the concert venue. This is really convoluted. They sneak into some sort of, you know, Jewish center of some sort. Next and door. Next, yeah, well, several houses down, it seems. And then crawl through windows and back alleys and up sideways. I don't know. They They end up inside the concert venue, finally... But I don't understand why they did it that way. Just because they needed a costume and that would be a 
place to enter in that particular mm-hmm. costume, I, I guess. guess. I guess they were but looking to they... not enter the front door of this venue because people might have been staking it out knowing he'd be there. That's what I say, yeah. If, if they're going to show up in, in disguises, why not just use those disguises to get into the concert the venue? place that you need to go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason. But but it does set up the, the thing that's later, I guess. Yeah. It's, it almost seems like they planned it for that and then forgot that they planned ahead for that specifically. But the cops find this stolen cab outside of this the Jewish center, and that's when he calls it in and says, hey, I just found the cab that got stolen from that place. I bet Pinsky's in here. As they're performing in the second round of the contest, a bunch of, I don't know, are they cops? People are showing up yeah. in like military uniforms with medals on. Like, Is the army after him now? Is the National Guard? I don't know. I don't know. The monkey's got military secrets, so. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Pinsky sings his song. Love is why I live. Love is why I sing. It's what makes me wake up and try my wings. What's a song without music? After the song ends, they go back to the green room, or Pinsky by himself goes back to the green room, and... He's eating a chocolate bar in the most disturbing and frustrating way possible. <laughs> he like jams the whole thing down his throat and then chokes on it and then pulls it out and then jams it back into his mouth. It's like, what do you just take bites like a human? What are you doing? And then suddenly he hears that the cops are there. Pinsky, Daniel, we got the place surrounded. Don't try to get away. And they're telling him to come out with his hands up. And so he does. He tries to make as little a show as possible as he's walking past the judges at the concert hall. And uh, he comes out with his hands up, but then he notices that the cops are at the door of the Jewish Center a couple buildings down. And he decides he's going to leave. So he calls a cab from the same cab company where he stole the cab earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, because his plan is, I'm going to steal another cab. So he tells them to knock really loud because he's hard of hearing. And so he needs them to knock on the door. They can't just pull up. He, they need to come out of the car and knock on the door. And he's pretending to be this old lady character that's really annoying and pointless. Knock, 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 because I don't hit the well. Will do. What? I said I'll knock on the door real, real loud. But then Arnold says he's going to come by himself because all the other cars are in use. So he's going he's gonna to do this run on his own because she's just around the corner. So he pulls up. And he gets out of the car to knock on the door. And while he's knocking on the door, Pinsky steals the car. Which is like the flagship, like nicest car of the whole Mm -hmm. fleet. He goes back to Amy and Courtney's apartment building. And as he's walking through the entrance, he bumps into a guy who says that he's a friend. But he's being very weird. He's just like, oh, it's just me. I'm a friend. I'm going to help you later when you're in need. And then he sneezes on him (laughs) on his way out. He goes up into the apartment, which is eerily quiet and he's worried that something happened when amy and the monkey jump out to surprise him they get into the cab because they got to keep it moving or else the cops will find him and they're sleeping in it when a woman sneaks up one of mueller's henchmen and tries to steal the monkey she looks like a gypsy like fortune teller type character this is the one that took the pictures of his crotch Thelma. yeah yeah the monkey runs away there's a weird like rewound shot here too when they wake up and realize that she's in the car trying to take the monkey, like, instead of just pulling her hands back and standing up outside of the car, they rewound the shot of her reaching into the car. Mm-hmm. The gunman shows up again and points his weapon at the kids, and the monkey climbs up into 
a tree and then onto a road sign nearby. So he's standing at the top of the Spring Street sign. <laughs> There's a funny line here from Pinsky when he looks at the guy whose face is like all melted. And he's like, see what happens when you pick your pimples? You're dead, punk. <laughs> and he's like trying to touch his face while he's saying it. And uh, the guy gets really mad about it. And he tells Danny that he has to lure that monkey down or he's going to shoot him. Which I don't know why he assumes that there's like a trick to getting the monkey down. Right. But there is. Um, he suddenly starts doinging. Doing, 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 doing. What are you doing now, Pinsky? Doing, 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 doing. Um, which like this is <laughs> this not is a so weird this is not a pattern we haven't established that this works every time this <laughs> one time he was playing a guitar when the monkey happened to type something and so we've determined that this series of descending notes means that the monkey will come to him come to him i guess so he just starts going doing 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 <laughs> the people are all so standing strange. around like what are you doing why are you doing that and instead of <laughs> answering and saying this is the sound i made earlier and the monkey came to me he just goes doing doing, doing. <laughs> starts doing it again and then the monkey just like, jumps down to his arms it's truly a bizarre noise that he makes yeah. like it's not like he's not <laughs> singing a note like he's he's literally doinging in what sounds like an electronic-y kind of way yeah, i think he, i yeah. think he's just pitch perfect he, he's like he's like got like a little quivering yeah. sound to it yeah. it's like oh. yeah it's, it's, it's not not just it's not just doing it's yeah like ripply it's yeah no he, he knows what he's doing <laughs> but it works the monkey jumps down to him and uh and he throws it in, in mr yeah. box face there's a scuffle and then the monkey gets the gun i like <laughs> I, I also like <laughs> that you you look at I don't know if you can see my notes they have a scuffle yeah <laughs> no it's it very clearly the a scuffle the monkey gets a gun he's no. got a sword we've all got swords <laughs> <laughs> he's got a gun we've all got guns <laughs> I should specify that this is not like a uh, any which way but loose like Clyde like orangutan this is a well, well that's like, an ape this is like a capuchin monkey like yeah, this, it's is, a this tiny, is a monkey like tiny a monkey marmoset this isn't thing. even like a dog sized monkey this is like this a is the sized monkey. The, the, the monkey from Raiders. Well, I was going to say the monkey from Friends, but yes. <laughs> Maurice? Marcel. A... Marcel. Oh, I was Marcel, close. you were so close. I'm going to say the monkey from Community Annie's Boobs. That's right. <laughs> are they all the same kind of monkey? I guess they are. But yeah, this gun probably weighs as much as the monkey does. Amy drives away with the monkey and Pinsky. Um, he's like up on the hood of the car. And she's driving in reverse full speed. And then she slams on the brakes so he comes tumbling over the windshield. Holding, thank God, a stuffed animal monkey. Because it looks like he just crushed this monkey tumbling over the car. I mean, it's um, supposed to be the real monkey. Right. clearly right, it's right. not. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully the, it's not. There's a lot of stunts that are involve the monkey being in tumbled and running around with that. You know, it's not a super convincing stuffed animal, but... Well, there's definitely one later, though, that I think ought to have been a stuffed animal that wasn't. That I'm really surprised that they, like, threw this monkey. It looks, like, really dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that was fine. Well, and, well, we'll get to the part with... I mean, this isn't the Milo and Otis producers just, like, hucking a cat off a waterfall. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) When when Peter Coyote has it later, I was just like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You never want your cat to be in the custody of a coyote. (laughs) Get it? As, the, as speaking of 
Peter Coyote as a as the car drives down the alleyway we get another shot of this random guy with sunglasses just watching the car go by and they're, they're really odd sunglasses yeah they almost look like they're electronic they're like they're like doc's sunglasses in back to the future part two kind of feels they're like something silver that, and wrap around it's like something devo would wear sure we're back in mueller's headquarters vineyard area and this scene doesn't really make a lot of sense i feel like they just needed to touch base with this character again yeah and he just says like well we're gonna share this this delicious vintage wine when we catch that monkey so go get the monkey again which is the same thing he told them last time but this is actually like a mueller wine because he owns a vineyard uh the kids decide to leave the monkey with uh well here's the thing this isn't a, a thing where they keep saying people's names differently sophie her name, her, she's credited as Sophie, but I think they call her Katie at some point. I think they call her Katie multiple times. Um, but you're right; the credit does say Sophie. Yeah, that uh, confused me a lot. Uh, but yeah, so but it's with Katie Nana, uh, and I mean, because we're not. I'm saying Katie Nana from Mary Poppins, but yeah, but they do call, they her, call Katie her Katie in the movie. Yeah, uh, he does it in the in the last scene when they're like leaving the vineyard but uh yeah so like but this is their apartment it's it's the arnold apartment yes so she she has the monkey and she's going to take care of it while they continue their adventures and their contest it turns out they made the finals so that's great they get to perform again Uh, they just got to figure out how to do that without dying so now pinsky goes to the circus to meet with igor and say hey i have your monkey someone's going to deliver a monkey you're expecting a monkey and uh, he says i don't know what you're talking about and he gives him a little bit more information about the scientist and how he found these, this note. And then Igor kind of turns on him and he and says, is fully well, aware who he is. Right. And he's like, you know what? I have a show to do, but why don't you wait right here with Gregor? He's going to take good care of you. You can't go anywhere. And he's like, oh, you know what? It's been great. I hope I run into you someday when you're walking and I'm driving my cab, <laughs> but Lurch will not let him leave and uh, keeps getting in his way. This is the actor who played Lurch in the Adams Family movies. They decide that the best way to escape here is to start breaking fruits. Yeah, I, I put it as he's challenging him to feats of strength. Right. But and and Gregor here is supposed to be the strong man, which he would obviously right. be the giant of the circus. He wouldn't be the strong man. But but also why isn't he in the show? Well he yeah, probably is. He's he just did. not performing right now. Yeah. But either way, it starts with Pinsky, like, throwing an orange at him, which Gregor handily catches in the air. And then he breaks open a watermelon with, like, two fingers to show how strong he is. And then Pinsky wants to show that he's strong, so he smashes a watermelon over the top of his head and kind of dazes himself to the point that he falls and hits his watermelon-wrapped head into the pillar holding up the tent that they're in. And when the whole thing collapses, then Gregor is like trapped in the net of the tent and Pinsky escapes. But he, for some reason, he runs directly into the, the big show. top yeah. <laughs> and becomes part of the show. Yeah. He still has a watermelon on his head at this point? No. no. As soon as he gets out of the tent, he doesn't have a watermelon. But uh, he jumps over this fence to, to get on a horse to escape, but he lands on it so hard that he wrecks his balls. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he runs around during this circus show for a while, just barely not getting run over by all these different animals. He like tries to jump on, a, on an elephant and all this other stuff. He falls in a bunch of 
animal shit that's on the floor. Yeah. Unclear which animal, probably elephant. Eventually, Gregor gets into this tent, so he's trying to escape him by climbing into the trapeze net. And the, and the audience is loving it. Yeah. So, so... They're already uh, on board. They're like, this is the underdog and this yeah. is the monster. And so Zukov is hesitant to stop what's going on yeah. because he's like, okay, well, this is this is clearly good for business here. And then he pulls a, a Grayson escape. Mm-hmm. Um, he climbs the whole, the whole way up the pole of the trapeze show and gets to the top of the circus tent and out of that little circle, the circular hole in the ceiling. And then he just walks very carefully over the top of it. Um, and somehow uh, Gregor gets out there too. And the two of them are tiptoeing across the, the top of this big top, just trying not to fall off on either side. When They intentionally Pin- fall off. Yeah. Well, Pinsky notices there's like a truck full of hay parked close enough that if he slid down, he would land in it. And so he does that. And then right as Gregor's about to follow him, the truck pulls away. And his friend shows up, the friend that stopped him in uh, the lobby of Amy's building, who was like, I'm a friend, I'm going to help you later. And he sits up and he's like, oh, great, you're here. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. And he's like, yeah, my friends are here too. And he points at Acid Face and Thelma, and then he knocks Pinsky out. Amy notices that he's in the back of this hay truck, and so she follows in the nice cab. And then they're spotted by another cab. Right. So... From the cab company who presumably calls Arnold and says, right. I found the kid, you owe me 20 bucks. So uh, this is where I was like, got my big nerd glasses on and like pushing them up on my brow here. Uh, the road that they're driving on when the other cab driver spots them, they're right at the Golden Gate Bridge. They're right right near Fort Point. Yeah. And so they're heading towards Fort Point on that road. Yeah. That road doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> oh really that, it's that a dead a, end that is a dead end road it ends at the fort um so because then the next scene they're driving up on some other road it's like uh no you'd have to <laughs> double back and go all the way uh, around in episode 13 <laughs> yeah he has the wizard key but yeah the, the next shot i turned to jess and i was like that looks like camarillo like yeah it could very easily be somewhere in camarillo or somas but they uh they're driving along up into the vineyard area and uh, she kind of loses the hay truck that she was following. And so she makes a turn, but it's the wrong direction. And No, it was the, the right direction. Well, it was the right direction, <laughs> but not if she was trying to follow this truck. Right. But then pulls out and crashes into her because they know she's been following yeah. them. And then it stalls out the car until one of the bad guys gets in. And then, yeah, and then, then it fine. doesn't stall anymore. We, uh, we move into the vineyard, the, the headquarters of the Mueller character, um, without amy amy is in the custody of the the bad guys outside but we have pinsky is like tied to a chair here and mueller starts monologuing that he basically explains the whole situation that this scientist developed this formula i want that formula (laughs) to turn nuclear waste into weaponized plutonium and that he gave it to the u.s and he was going to give it to russia too so that not just one nation had it mm-hmm. which is a stupid plan because just don't give it to either nation if you don't want just one nation to have it yeah but well i mean yeah i mean i guess the the does it have to be weapons grade you know if you're talking about like fast breeder reactors where you take nuclear waste and recompile it and then use it for a new type of reactor yeah if they're taking this waste and making new nuclear material that could be used and then in another reactor rather than weapons 
Don't, if you come up with this formula, we're going to have to use <laughs> monkey <laughs> encryption. Monkey, monkey. <laughs> the most secure. You know, screw this 256. Yeah. <laughs> you, want, you want monkey encryption. <laughs> yeah. This is where I have all my Bitcoin hid in a chimp somewhere. <laughs> is bitcoin still a thing we're recording this in uh, january so yeah, yeah. well well there's like there's like like a hundred different cryptocurrencies it's all right. all my dogecoin are in an actual doge mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where was i yeah mueller's monologuing he says that he thought that it was a dumb idea for this guy to give the information to the russians and so did the fbi who found out about it probably through him and uh, so they said, you keep an eye on the professor and make sure he doesn't give this information to the Russians. And uh, he said that Russia has a computer that can decrypt this information from the monkey's brain and that the only other computer is the one that Dr. Stoll has, but that he was able to recreate it from scratch. And so he has a replica of the computer here and he's a genius. So he's going to use it to take over the world once he has the formula. And he does this weird thing. He like, he steps out of the room to show him the computer. <laughs> and then you get this whirring sound. It sounds like Loja's flight belt. Yeah. Where the chair just suddenly follows him into the next room. Like it's just a mechanical chair that just floats out of the room. And he's showing him the computer and he picks up a phone and pretends to call the president and blows up like part of the Statue of Liberty as an example. You get the impression that the way the scene originally went on paper was... He calls the president and makes a threat, and they show part of the Statue of Liberty blowing up. Yeah. And they're like, we don't have the money for that. Let's just have him pretend to make the phone Mm -hmm. call. That way we understand why we're not seeing it explode. Because he's just getting the idea across of what he could do. Oh, my dear. Terribly sorry, Mr. President. Seems Miss Liberty's entire right arm. Oh, my goodness. Part of that right breast, too. Now, naturally, I could hold entire cities for ransom. Cities, not titties. I did like, though, when he's showing him the computer and he says, I've been building things like this since I was a baby. And then Pinsky goes, That's really sweet. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a nice moment between the two of them. But yeah, the formula for this, the transition is in uh, the monkey's brain. And so he needs the monkey and he won't tell him where the monkey is. When he is pretending to threaten the president, he says he wants 50 billion bananas. Or 50 billion anything. Yeah. He's trying to be impressive. And then Pinsky's like, I'm not impressed. And then he says that he won't tell him where the monkey is. And he says, well, what makes you think I'm going to hurt you? And then we cut to him getting loaded into this like, like underground. cellar. Yeah, yeah. It's the basement of the place where they have Amy all tied up and him all tied up now. And he says, I'm going to kill you tomorrow if you don't tell me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know why you're giving us 24 hours. Also, you have no leverage because you're just saying you have 24 hours to let me kill the universe yeah and it's like no it's like you, i'm gonna die either way just just kill me then i guess um, he's not like offering them anything and he's not threatening to torture them. well he, he did offer to have him join join the team right but he's already refused that so now he says you have 24 hours to tell us he's just gonna kill you it's pretty clear the plan would just be i'm gonna kill both of these people as soon as they tell me where the monkey is I guess you have to verify it first, though. Yeah. They talk about untying each other with their mouths. Well, yeah, there's implied, like, fellatio. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, but they actually show what she's doing. Yeah. Right. Which is with trying to pull mouth. the ropes off his legs with 
her mouth. Right. Um, but he says, well, you know, even if we're untied, there's no way we could escape this room. And she's like, that's not what I had in mind. Right. And then they make out for 12 yeah. hours. Well, he tries to take the ropes off her feet with his mouth. So they're like 69 these ropes and She's off like, each other. I just took your ropes off. You don't need to do this. And he's like, I know. I just love the taste of rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. The next morning, the entire cab company is coming down the road towards the vineyard. Arnold gets out of the front car and he's like throwing orders to the men because he he thinks of himself as like a patent character. He had a big patent poster in his right uh, in the mechanic shop. He walks up to the first like biggest henchman at the front door and just knocks him out immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, this, these guys start start kicking major ass. Yeah, but uh, he busts into uh, the basement and rescues Amy and Penske very quickly. He, he like bursts through the door. Yeah. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Mueller's upstairs just like literally praying out loud that Pinsky doesn't ruin the computer that he showed him. It's like, I wouldn't have shown him the computer at all if I really was that interested in protecting it. But, uh, but Arnold goes and he rescues these two, um, outside the cab drivers and the henchmen are all facing off against each other. Um, we see Elsa like strangling one of the henchmen with a cable from, from the cab, like through the driver's side window. Like the, the walkie, like the, the walkie talkie microphone cable. Yeah another cabbie is driving with two bad guys on the hood of his car and just like scraping them off with trees and crashes pinsky knocks over a decoration as he's entering the room with the computer which uh i would listen to an interview today with the director and that was not planned that thing that falls over when yeah, he it didn't look room. planned but no. I, I i was super amazed because it didn't look planned and he just kept on going yeah he well just it made was the best super of it. expensive and they were they oh, were just no. paying for the location Oh, it was no. someone's house, and they destroyed that thing. <gasps> there was supposed to be a sandbag to keep the door from hitting it, and there was not a sandbag there for that take. So, oh, but you're right; he he plays the scene completely straight, um, and then he takes a chair in and completely destroys the computer in the room, or I guess half destroys. Yeah, it. yeah. And then <laughs> when he's got like the bottle of vintage wine, but Court just just sheds this single tear yeah. when he sees him like, with it. No. <laughs> he's gonna destroy his two favorite things in one swing um but he's like please don't destroy my computer and it's like i just hit it with a chair for like a full 30 seconds i'm yeah. pretty sure it's destroyed but uh he hurls this bottle of wine into the monitor and the whole thing just explodes and it starts like beeping louder and louder and louder and everybody runs out of this building pinsky and amy are running away from the property arnold says we don't have the monkey the monkey got stolen by some russian guy yeah so uh together he and amy steal a third cab well technically this would be the fourth cab that they <laughs> okay. that they well i guess they didn't steal the first one maybe he was just driving the that's first true one. yeah but it is the fourth cab of the movie that they take and destroy um but yeah so they steal this other cab and leave to go intercept the monkey they go to where the circus was but the circus isn't there anymore it already packed up and pinsky determines that the Ivan, whatever his name was, from the note is actually the name of a ship, and that the circus is leaving town on this ship. Yeah, he he looks out on the when they're at the because they're near the coast, and he uh, looks out in the water and sees a boat, and then he gets the idea to look at the shipping news. Yeah, I guess. And then he sees that it's the name of the boat that the circus just left on. Somehow they get on board the ship. Like, Doesn't seem hard. They just seem to get on. Yeah. So was it still docked when they got to it? Yeah. Okay. 
for some reason in my head they were getting on that one that he saw out in the ocean no i think that was just inspiration another ship okay but they got onto the ship and uh the the giant notices them but because uh he fell off of that tent and didn't have a truck full of hay to catch him he's in a full body cast that makes more sense now i wasn't totally clear on who was in there and i was like did he get that hurt yeah it's from falling off of the building and he's trying to warn everybody that they're there but he can't really make a lot of sound from inside of this thing so they come up to a cage full of monkeys and they start doinging at them (laughs) to try and (laughs) to try and get the monkey to react and they notice that a separate monkey and a smaller cage behind them that's like hidden away is reacting very actively to this sound and i thought what they were setting up was they're gonna let all these monkeys go with that monkey and they're not gonna know which one Ah. to catch or they're gonna kill some other monkey that doesn't matter (laughs) off the side of this boat yeah it was like i just picturing like the simpsons with the puppy like it's like a bunch of rory calhouns (laughs) my favorite line from that episode is when uh, she says, what, what you're doing is illegal. And then he says, here's a phone. Call someone who cares. And she's like, 911. He's like, give me that. <laughs> Takes the phone back. Uh, they rescue the monkey from this small cage, but they're very quickly interrupted. Oh, um, they had keys. Where did they get those keys? They got it off the one guy that they knocked out. Oh, yeah. okay. But then the FBI climbs up over the side of the boat. Peter Coyote is completely dry, but his other guys are totally sucking yeah. wet, yeah. which makes me think that he used them as some kind of raft. <laughs> That's awesome. But there's also a quick moment just before that when uh, when they're running around with this monkey, like they hear someone coming and Pinsky tries to hide and he accidentally jumps like out the side of the ship and he's hanging on this thin railing. And then you see like a guard bear just walking down the side of the ship yeah. because this is obviously it's like the whole circus is packed onto the ship. So they have bears, but there's literally a bear going down this narrow corridor. But yeah, then everyone faces off. We have the Russians on one side, the FBI on the other side. And uh, and he, he thinks that the FBI is the good guys mm-hmm. and that uh, the guy takes off his sunglasses and reveals that he's with the FBI and they'll take that monkey thank you very much we'll take the monkey well he first reveals that i've been chasing you for three days right to tell you that you're off the hook yeah, we know you're innocent don't worry we know that you didn't kill the first two guys and we pin the third murder on somebody else well and you have 78 unpaid parking tickets but in our eyes you're good to go yeah yeah so he hands the monkey but the monkey clearly does not want to be with peter coyote right and starts struggling and you could tell, like, Peter Coyote is trying to hold on to this thing. And it's like, oh, it's He's like, I can't drop him. this monkey off the side of the boat. I'm going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> I really need this. This is my first big gig. <laughs> but, yeah, so Pinsky obviously does not want them to kill the monkey. So he pretends to give up on this disagreement and go below deck. And he sticks his head out of a porthole that's lower than them and tries to get Amy's attention as she's standing on the edge of the ship so that she can drop the monkey down to him. Yeah, she she threatens to drop the monkey, and the Russians are like, no. And, and the FBI's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> We're good with that. You, know, you want to kill a monkey, What fine. does he say? It's like, he's like, it's just a misdemeanor to drown a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> it's like common knowledge that it's misdemeanor to drown a monkey. But, but like, as if that, that she would be charged. Like, yeah. They, they, he already admitted that he was going to kill us. Yeah, that's going on your permanent record, but that's cool. You know, it's a misdemeanor. It's not that bad. I think it's actually a felony now, as of like a couple weeks ago. I think that there was an executive order passed that made it like a felony to kill animals for needless purposes. 
Well, I guess you can eat them. That's fine. <laughs> it's not needless. As long as you eat this monkey, you drown it and then you eat it, right? It's just a little waterlogged. It's still good. It's called brining. <laughs> Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's like a pickle. <laughs> you, ever, you ever had a br- uh, brine turkey? You know what I like to do when I'm done with the monkey jar? Is I drink all the monkey juice. <laughs> Pickled monkeys. Chilled monkey brains. So Amy finally notices that he's down there after him, like, pantomiming frustration for, like, 15, 20 seconds of just, like, ah. he puts his arms out, he pulls his head back in, he, goes, ah. he puts his arms back out. He's just being very weird down there. Instead of he's just, weird like, through just, this whole movie. Just this hang out is, of the boat and wait for the monkey. This guy is a quirky, weird dude all the time. Yeah. But uh, eventually she drops the monkey and maybe he catches it. We'll never know. Because they never show him pull it back into the boat, do they? No. We just hear the monkey make sounds while his arms are out of the boat. But possibly it's drowning. We'll never know. But and everyone thinks that the monkey's in the water, so they immediately jump in. Right. The Russians jump in because they need the monkey's brains. And the FBI jumps in because they need to prove that the monkey is dead. How they can prove that this is the correct monkey is beyond me. Because... They've kn- they know very little about this experiment. They don't even have yeah. a picture of the monkey to go off of. But yeah, so suddenly everyone's jumping off of the ship. And we cut to the last round of the music competition, the finals. And Pinsky's group comes out. I gotta get all the way to the mountaintop. I gotta date somewhere in those clouds up there. And sings a song that's fine. Um, <laughs> the song before it was better so i think they lost the competition but i don't think they announce a winner in the movie do they i don't think so yeah but i think the punk band that came out had the had the audience more riled up but then he comes out and he sings his like folksy song and uh it's fine and then when the song's over mueller drops out of the ceiling dressed like head to toe in this punk outfit including like shoes with like six inch spikes on the bottom of them like their cleats and uh, they stab into the floor and he's stuck and he can't move and he's trying to threaten pinsky but then pinsky turns to the crowd and says this is my friend mueller and he has kiss tickets all over his body so come and get him and then the whole crowd swarms him and uh starts grabbing him and trying to get the the tickets and then him and amy kiss and that's the end of this scene in the movie oh i i should mention during the the punk song that was playing before that gregor shows up in like a full punk outfit and he still can't talk for some reason but he's uh he's wearing like all leather and everything and he has like spiked hair but he starts jumping up and down to the beat of the music because he's enjoying the punk music so much Uh, but yeah that's the end of this film director jeff werner this was his second to last fictional feature after the great girl robbery he's done primarily documentaries since then the writer scott parker he has he knows you're alone later this year and that's about it and the other writer the father of uh robbie benson jerry siegel has uh, another screenwriting credit for one-on-one starring robbie in 1977 the editor for this neil travis is a renowned editor he has an oscar for dances with wolves he worked with monkeys again for outbreak which i think the monkey from outbreak is the monkey from friends or at least in the universe of friends it was because i think they were shooting like an outbreak sequel or something 
Maybe not. And he was also the editor for both of Harrison Ford's Jack Ryan movies and Terminator 3. But uh, getting into the cast, Robbie Benson was Pinsky. Uh, he wrote this movie with his father. He is the voice of Drake in a Dragonheart sequel. I assume that's one of the dragons. Uh, he was Edward in MXP, Most Extreme Primate, mm-hmm. uh, another <laughs> monkey movie. What? And uh, probably most famous as the voice of the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. I thought I told you to come down for dinner. I'm not hungry. You'll come out or I'll, I'll, I'll break down the door. The um, in like every incarnation of that, like all the video games, yeah. all the shorts, he yeah. does it for everything. I feel like Disney should do that more because when you pick somebody who's not who's famous a for crazy famous voice who's who's only like or whose most known credit is the movie that you put them in they will do that voice forever that's true yeah uh linda grovner was amy uh this is one of only two features she came back for wheels of fire in 85 but that was that was the end of that uh charles durning is arnold arnold here um he was doc hopper in the muppet movie as he said um, he's wearing Hudsucker in the Hudsucker proxy, as you said. He's also Peter Griffin's stepfather, Francis Griffin. Yeah. Elsa Lanchester, Lancaster, Lanchester, <laughs> was Sophie yeah, or Katie or, or Katie. whoever. Uh, <laughs> she was the Bride of Frankenstein in The Bride of Frankenstein. She was Katie Nana in Mary Poppins. Uh, she's Henrietta Stiles in the 1971 Willard. She's Jessica Marbles in Murder by yeah. Death, which yeah. is fantastic. And she also played Mama in a TV movie reboot of Where's Papa. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was like nine years after the movie came out, they did a reboot did a for TV. TV reboot. Yeah, it's a weird huh. choice. Um, especially because that's already a bizarre it's movie. It's a strange movie, right? And it feels Who's like... clamoring for the TV version? <laughs> yeah, nobody. <laughs> Bud Court was Mueller. Um, he was Private Boone in MASH, Harold and Harold and Maude, The Stooge in Life Aquatic. We've covered him before. Uh, the bond company stooge yeah <laughs> he's I so great him. in that marty zagon was the friend like i'm your friend he plays zax in metal storm the destruction of jared sin hey uh which we're gonna have more people from that soon i just wanted to touch on it larry hankin was bach that's i guess that's the name of the guy who goes in and shoots never, everybody and yeah, gets acid thrown in his, his face name. Wait, he says he, Mueller says it once oh okay. he says go go get the mr bach oh but okay. that's I would have spelled it B-A-C-H would have been my guess. But also, people keep saying the wrong names throughout this whole movie, so yeah. I wouldn't So who cares? Give it any kind of <laughs> he plays Old Joe on Breaking Bad. Um, he's Pastor Randy in Pain and Gain, and he's Carl Alphonse in Billy Madison. Yeah, that's his best role ever. <laughs> oh, uh, He's also the elevator operator in uh, Barton Fink, I think. Oh, okay, that's possible. There's another Coen Brothers there were There were too many, so I had to like cherry yeah, yeah, pick, because yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's in a lot of stuff. Peter Coyote is Davis, the FBI man. He plays Keys in E.T. Mm-hmm. He who is Keys? Is Key, that Keys is the guy with the FBI again, or yeah, he he's basically the head of the alien looking for force. Right. He's never given a, a name. He's only identified by the keychain that he, whenever they, he's shown walking, it always it shows that first. Right. And in the original feature release. It was like a bunch of grenades, but then they replaced them with keys for <laughs> one of the remakes. No, that's not true. He plays Barnes in Sphere, yeah. which is like a cheap ripoff of Cube. <gasps> what? <laughs> you No. <laughs> no, it's good. I would say 
it's a decent ripoff of 2001 a space odyssey i'll I'll allow that (laughs) yeah bill davis and patch adams that's a third peter coyote character uh charlie fleischer yeah uh, he played charlie here that's the other member of the band who took off two masks that's charles fleischer he's uh dr king in nightmare on elm street he's terry in back to the future 2 and he is the voice of roger rabbit oh really (laughs) yeah um he's great carol struken or struken not sure how to pronounce the last name is gregor the giant um he plays archillion in men in black He's the giant in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. He's Grandpa Flick in Doctor Sleep, which just came out, the sequel yep, to The yep. Shining. He's he he's good in that part too in Doctor Sleep. Doctor yeah. Sleep, like a lot of people don't like it. I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm sure we'll be discussing it more soon with our yeah, Shining true. review. I'll have to check it out before we get to that. Um, and he obviously, I said before, played Lurch in the Adams Family movie. And Mr. Hom on star trek the next generation right he was uh, always following uh, uh barrett it. around yeah, michelle barrett's character um rhoda gim okay i was hoping you were gonna you yeah were gonna i'm not gonna leave her out uh <laughs> you only see her for like a half second on this ship as all the russians are piling right. in to jump off of the boat but apparently she was the ticket taker at the circus too i just didn't notice her there uh she's credited as russian ticket taker but she's the real estate agent from Ghostbusters. Oh, who, really? Who says, uh... There's office space, sleeping quarters, and showers on the next floor. And there's a full kitchen on the top level. It just seems a little pricey for a unique fixer-upper opportunity, that's all. And then they're like, well, it's completely substandard for our power needs. Yeah. I think the this building like should a... be condemned. Have you guys tried this poll? Uh, I recognized her right away. Yeah, I did which, too. <laughs> which is weird. It's like the, I only know her from one thing. Yeah. But I know that movie so inside and out. Well, I feel the same way whenever I see David Margulies in anything. The guy, he was in Hide in Plain Sight. Mm-hmm. But whenever I see him, I always immediately go to Ghostbusters with his face. But yeah, Rhoda's great. Uh, Regina Walden was the screaming lady. I don't. That's the screaming lady who's getting the at gun the, pointed at her? Yeah, he's yeah. at the car. She is, <laughs> she's the, the babysitter from the fog that gets killed by the ghosts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered her already this year. And uh, Olan Jones played Judge. Uh, she's credited as Olan Shepard. She's one of the judges for the Battle of the Bands contest thing going on. But she's Esmeralda from Edward Scissorhands, the woman who thinks that Edward is a demon or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the one who, who thinks plays that... the organ in her house. Right. And, she's yeah. like the creepy religious lady. But that's everybody from the cast on this one. Uh, for the crew, I wanted to mention uh, Craig Savan only because he, the, he did one of my favorite movie film scores and that is for the last starfighter oh okay um i love that score i love that theme uh and uh you know he also did all the music for cheers you know other things like name on elm street uh four vegas vacation are the big ones that that are up on the thing major pain <laughs> did he do the the theme for cheers uh, i don't know if he did the theme for cheers but he's just credited as composer for cheers 260 i feel episodes. like all the instrumental is bits of the theme like they just like dum, 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 as they come back from a commercial break. Yeah, but someone had to someone had to write that. Yeah, but the, the, I would assume that person also wrote it for the theme of the show, but maybe not. Um, I did I did mention it also though uh, that getting back to Peter Coyote that this was his first feature. Is that true? Yeah, this is I missed this that. is his very first credit, and he would you know he he's recognizable um, mostly by his voice. He does a lot of. Uh, narration for like biographies and things like that but uh yeah this was his first film did you come up with an alternative title oh yeah i forgot we were going to do that uh 
Die Laughing is a terrible title for this movie. And despite the fact that some people died laughing at the very beginning, <laughs> I would say that it doesn't fit very well at all. Especially when you should obviously have something about monkeys in the title. Yeah. Did you guys come up with alternate titles for this movie? Well, I, I, I did, but it's not funny. <laughs> so I, I felt like I did, I did this wrong because I didn't come up with a funny one. Let's hear what you came up with, because well, I, I, I bet it's better than the nothing I, I, I came up with. It should be called Rush Hour, with all the car well, stuff. You know what's and... really funny is every title I came up with is already the title of another movie. Yeah. But, but this <laughs> what, like would've... Monkey Trouble? Monkey Trouble, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was saying, like, Monkey Shines. Yeah. Any which way but loose. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I felt like this should be called Rush Hour. Like, with all the driving they do, the name of the band, I know it doesn't lend any kind of credence to what the movie's about, but... But neither neither does, does die, die laughing. laughing. <laughs> I think the difference is that die laughing is both not related and doesn't make me want to see the movie. Yeah. I remember early I came up with baboom. <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense because it's clearly not a baboon. People don't know though. Do they not? Okay, then baboom. That's mine. Pinsky and the brain. That's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> Richard, what do you think? Up or down? <laughs> great. Um... I, I guess I give it a, a reluctant up. Uh, I, I liked it okay, but I I, I don't know. Like I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I can't think of really anyone to recommend it to. But it's 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 watchable. It's certainly very watchable, and I laughed a couple of times. And so. it keeps moving. Yeah, it's got a good pace to it. Jess, what do you think, up or down? I give it an up. It's not even a very reluctant up. I I enjoyed it, and I thought uh, Robbie Benson was really charming and no he's he's a cute kid he's definitely um i understand why he was like a heartthrob oh totally. and he has a great singing he's voice got an too. amazing voice i i enjoyed the songs i thought it was quirky i laughed out loud many times i give it an up yeah i i think i'm gonna give it an up even if only for that first like the the opening gambit if you will that right before the title pops up where this whole laboratory of scientists is just destroyed and a henchman has acid thrown in his face and a monkey <laughs> escapes from a laboratory. I was like, holy crap, like this movie's going to be ridiculous. I could already tell we haven't even gotten into the especially weird stuff. It's got such a great cast. I mean, I love everybody in this movie. It's just, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's great. All right. So Letterboxd, what are we thinking, guys? It's high on my list. Um, Where's this going, Jess? Uh, right now it's going in uh, ninth place. Which is after the Long Riders, but above Mad Max. Above Mad Max. All right. Doing it. Uh, I actually have it uh, kind of more mid range. It's going to be just below Carney and uh, just above In Plain Sight. Okay. Um, I think for me, this is going um, just above Carney and just below Folks, aka North Sea Hijack. I think that's about it for this one. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, or as I've said before, you could find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we will be discussing the Gong Show movie which according to IMDb is about a week in the life of the gong show host and creator Chuck Barris.
who lives through a series of outrageous competitors, stressful situations, a nervous breakdown, and other comical characters involved in his life and work on the TV show. We leave you now with the trailer for The Gong Show Movie. What pushed this man over the edge? His new movie, The Gong Show Movie. Driving people wild. <laughs> and then I, I say to Milton, Milton, if you please. The Gong Show movie is making people angry. You die now. The Gong Show movie is very revealing. But best of all, the Gong Show movie is unfit for TV. The Gong Show movie. The Gong Show that was gone by the censor. It's the Gong Show you could never see on TV. From Universal Pictures.